Welcome to the Resistance Chronicle. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And today we had an awesome conversation with a couple from Vermont named the Weissmans. It is Brian and Karen Weissman. And they are a couple of self-sufficient landowners that have farmland, not much farmland, in Vermont. And they own a mushroom farm on that farmland. It was fascinating. They had their town. They barter with each other to get goods and services, like uh, world-renowned, uh, world-class cheese grower, uh, cheese cheese uh, maker, cheese, cheese maker. Yeah. Um, was traded them this world-class cheese for asparagus. <laughs> yeah. They, so they talked about how they barter to 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 get things in their town. It's a town of about nine hundred people. 900, he was saying. Yeah. And 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 how they how they run their mushroom business and and grow mushrooms and you know different homesteading acts and and, and all that it, it was awesome. We had a great conversation with them. It was so awesome to hear their outlook and their perspectives. And uh, it yeah, I didn't know where it was going to go or, or or what we'd really be getting into. I wanted to learn about the mushroom business and and mushrooms as a medicinal medicine. And, and, and we got into way more awesome. than that. Yeah, we did. So enjoy Sorry. our awesome intro. Sorry, this is all all shitty. I'm holding an iPad right now. Yeah, what he's. It's not a political statement. It's a patriotic duty. Such as yours, owe a common obligation to the people. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. Where are you people? On dope? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out the conversation yeah. and the questions and the directions you want to go and we can speak yeah. on a, like a whole what do you want to know about whole different number of topics as deep or as shallow as you want to go so first statement we are not experts in Mm-mm. anything <laughs> everything we know we've learned and taught ourselves in the last 10 or 12 yeah. years or like so. other people have taught us or but, other people have taught you know us. it's it's the kind of stuff where you do it you do it over and over and every time is different. And you know, you know, you, you, you think you're in control. You're like, I got this. And something inevitably, something happens. Yeah. You're like, Whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> awesome. So we, you know, it's, uh, but, yeah. um, we're not, we're not experts in anything we're going to talk about, but, but we'll, you know, Whatever you guys we, want to know, we'll tell you what we know from our experience. From our own know. experience, exactly. So for people watching and people listening, we're, we're joined by Karen and Brian Wiseman. Do I have the last name correct? Yeah. Correct. Perfect. They are um, um, farmers from Vermont, homesteaders. And for anybody who's, who's listened to our, our podcast knows that we've kind of gone from this kind of wondering about what's going on in the world to, okay, now we need to now we need to worry about ourselves and one another and our, our, our friends and our family. And, and we really want to start getting into the canning, the growing, the, 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 the animals, the, the, all the stuff that we can basically say, okay, we don't need to rely on anybody now. We've, we've got each other and, and we're going to take care of that. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, maybe, maybe Karen, you could start just your, your story of how you got into um, where, where you're at now in, in Vermont and living the lifestyle that you're living? <laughs> We, yeah, we, 
We'll start we back where never, you started. No. So, you, you started with with a yeah with a she's a chemical engineer. She she went to one of the top engineering schools in the country and was a chemical engineer by trade. And now yeah, yeah. introduce so, your so, background. <laughs> so yeah, he's right. I I um, worked for about ten years in pharmaceuticals, um, partly in New Jersey for Merck, and then. Um, and then eventually made my way to Lonza and Portsmouth. I grew up in Nashua. So I was born and raised in Nashua. My parents were, you know, from Nashua. And um, yeah, and Brian was from Portsmouth, actually. Born and raised in Portsmouth. Yep. And um, yeah, so pharmaceutical engineer, biopharmaceutical engineer. And, and, and then Brian and I met. <laughs> then we met. Then we met. Um, yeah, so... Um, you know, we've done a lot of crazy things. We ended up moving to Switzerland for a year together to work on uh, a pharmaceutical plant over there for our companies. So that was our that was our foray into. Hi, nice to meet you. We want to move to Switzerland together, and we did. Um, we had known each other about nine months, and um, anyway, we didn't kill each other. We got married, had kids. Um, you know, all the while working our way up. I was the engineering manager at, at uh, Lonza in Portsmouth, um, you know, doing contract biopharmaceuticals and, and, you know, different things, a whole bunch of different things came together um, at the same time, I guess, for us and health issues and, you know, that, you know, what the hell am I doing here on this earth? You know, um, none of this seems right. None of this feels right. We had uh, two little boys at the time. And Brian's got two older girls. I've got two older stepdaughters. And we just, we got to a point where just nothing about the world seemed good, right? You know, any of that. It, she know. was working 80 hours a week. She was traveling a lot, like a lot, a lot. And, and we needed to figure out something different. And it turned out to be something drastic. <laughs> So, so yeah. we decided to transition our lives. I worked at the same company. I'm not nearly as brilliant as she is. I worked on the business side and procurement and used to buy big shiny things that Mark inspects now. And, and uh, so I, I worked on, on the procurement side, but we knew there had to be something different. And we rolled the dice, sold everything we had on the seacoast, our house, most of the furnishings in it and scaled back her life and transitioned to Vermont. Her, yeah. her, her first job in Vermont after, after being manager of really, really large projects was to manage a compost company where they, yeah. they picked up compost from local folks and fed it to worms and turned it into good garden stuff. And yeah. Yeah, so it, it was a huge transition. It was a huge transition. It was, um, yeah, we just, uh, we needed something different. And, yeah. you know, we didn't necessarily know what it was all going to be. We had no idea it would transform into this. Like we wanted, we wanted to sort of start just being able to grow more of our own food and become closer. We, we had a friend um, who had a friend who raised pigs and we got a, when we were in when, when we were, we were in, in New Hampshire, when we were in Dover, you know, and so this was one part of it. And <laughs> and we got this some pork, some ham steaks. And so 
you know, I went to cook two of them because we all know stuff like ham steaks shrinks crazy. So I'll never forget this. I cooked two of them and they didn't shrink at all. And they were amazing. And I can remember both of us sitting at the table going, wait a minute, if this is what real food is like, what the hell are we eating? Yeah. And like, so that was one of those same thing that came together, like, oh my God. And we just Oh no! Systems and and that that you know don't necessarily um, they're not good. They're not good for people. <laughs> it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not the way humans we've adapted to a forty-hour, fifty-hour week cubicle lifestyle in the last 50 or 75 years, but it's not normal. People were farming 80, 100 years ago. More people were farming than not less than 100 years ago. And we've shifted all that. And a lot of the changes are good, but not all changes are good. And we've, we've extracted ourselves from our food supply. And now we're leaving it up to bigger and bigger factory farms and diseases and recalls and listeria and all of these problems with mass-produced food and and we're we decided that we were going to at least try to get back to the basics to get to get back to growing healthy food and at least showing our children whether they choose to continue our path or not um at least showing them that there's still an alternative if you're willing to work hard enough to make that alternative a reality. That's, that's, that's the thing. And so far we're only 10 years deep. So we got plenty, <laughs> we, we, we got plenty of time to mess all this up, but so far you couldn't pay me go to, to go back to the lifestyle we had before. There's no, there's no going back at this point. It's, it's, it's true. Farming is freedom, man. So hold that thought for one second. I'm going to let in another guest. Oh, Mark. I just hit admit. I, I, I texted him while you guys were talking to hold on. So hopefully he, he held on. I miss Mark. Hey, how you doing, guys? What's your beautiful face. <laughs> okay, Brian's been drinking. If you say I have a beautiful face. <laughs> People listening, just join us and wants to remain anonymous. Um, That's all right, dude. You can be. Oh, wait. Hold on, hold on. He's the connection that, that um, brought the Weissmans on onto the Resistance Chronicle. Oh, there he is. Hey. There he is. I haven't seen him in months. I miss I you, had, dude. I had it set up for uh, my usual corporate meetings, so cameras always starts off. Oh, nice. Yeah, you don't want to pull a uh, Jeffrey Tubin, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mark, this is Eric. Eric's the co-host of the show. We've been doing this together since November. Mark's a good friend of mine who, who I was just mentioning you know, before the, yep. the, the podcast. Nothing nothing but good things to say about him. Nice to so, meet you, man. So Brian and Karen just got Me through too. with the intro and kind of how they, they got out to Vermont and, and their backstory and everything. And I don't know why this <laughs> is the camera. There we so go. 
that's what farming's like. That's the chicken and pigs. That, that was the alarm reminding me to go lock our chickens up. My I'll put them in lockup for the night. Farms now. My life is a groundhog day of alarms that go off and I jump like Pavlov's dog and go attend to some thing that needs attending to. Now, what, what do you have on your property? Chickens, pigs? So right now, Turkey. So, so right now, so we're in, winter is the off season for farmers. So right now, all we have is nine. We're down to nine. We keep getting chickens plucked off. No, no <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> we, we live very chickens. rurally in Vermont. So it's either fence chickens. Or if they free range, you have to count on a certain number yeah. of them. So we, we slowly lose our flock of chickens. Um, so we only have, we have nine laying chickens right now um, and no other animals. The schedule for animals, we have all of our orders in. So the schedule for animals is we'll have 80 baby um, meat chicks showing up on May 4th. We'll have nine new laying chicks showing up on June 4th. We'll have six turkeys showing up on July something. And, uh, and we're not doing pigs this no year. Pig. We do pigs every other year. Pigs are a lot of work. And enough meat holds you over, right? Yeah. Oh, God, well, yeah. It, it, it's, it sort of depends. That's, you know, that's one of, the, one of the challenges of figuring it out is trying to figure out what your family's going to eat, how big they're getting, um, and try to tailor when, when you time your animals. Because remember, you only, there's a standard window. And so like right now we're trying to figure out, we sort of have a deal with some two other people to go in on two pigs that we don't have to raise. But the timing of that is we don't really need that meat because we're still just now getting into this year's yeah. meat, but timing it becomes hard. Like I don't really need a pig then, but right now the question is, is, is our current pig going to last us this year and next year, knowing I got a second kid who's about to hit puberty, <laughs> you know? Who loves bacon? <laughs> uh, oh, so much bacon. We like bacon. What are you doing for 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 crops, um, vegetables, and stuff like that. Is, yeah. is it, before you get into that, is is it just so I kind of get the idea of what the farm is? Is it like a, a community thing? I'm, I'm assuming it is where you're talking about that much animals. And and when I say a community thing, I, I don't mean maybe just your neighbors, but like other other towns and other areas getting together and stuff like that. Is that, is that how it works? I'm just trying Not to... Those, those animals are just our yard. Our, we have a field that's about an acre and a half. That's our total land. We don't have a, we're not on a huge spread up here. So we have about an acre and a half of usable land. Um, and on that land, like Karen said, we keep 12 to 15 layers. We do 80 to 100 meat birds. We do turkeys every year and pigs every other year. And we've got three other gardens and a barn scattered throughout. So it's yeah. it's just about using the space you have efficiently. Um, we don't eat 80 chickens a year. So yeah. a lot of those chickens will go to people who come and help us on butcher day, um, yeah. literally get paid in chickens. Others, you know, we keep 20 or 30 just for bartering purposes because 
chickens and 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 wheat are currency in Vermont. <laughs> and we do and we do sell some. So there's there's usually you know we do enough so that there's maybe one or two other families um, and and usually what we charge them is just enough to cover our animals feed costs. Right. So um, it it's could we charge more? Yeah. Like is that why we're here? No. no we, we would just rather have people in our community. Our, yeah. yeah, if we can break even, we don't necessarily charge for our time. In you know, here's the deal of of where the mindset changes over years. It took us years to start to realize like no, we don't have to make a certain amount of money. We don't have to charge for our time if we don't choose to. And we're grateful that we're at a place that we don't have to choose to, and we can, you know, be able to share that with community. And inevitably we, that, that comes back to you, you know, it's about a strong community too. Yeah. More important. And I think she just touched on a, on a broader subject, more important than more importantly than what you can do individually on your own property is how is that connected to the people around you. So whether you live in a city with a million people and you form your own small community or you just by nature live in a very small community like we do, we're very connected and certain people are really good at certain things and one person can't do everything. So it's really important to have a sort of a tight-knit community of individuals who are willing to work together and barter and and help each other out and and then sort of, you know, rising tide sort of raises all ships sort of attitude um, prevails. So you either need to, like I said, if you live in a city with a million people, you got to create that. But the option, the other option is doing what we did and just going and moving to that, <laughs> which, you know, it's not the greatest decision for everyone. <laughs> We've been very lucky. Because <laughs> we could have failed as easily as, as as we are happy with our decision. We realize yeah. that. You, you guys seem super happy. So I think you guys definitely made the right decision. How did you come about um, the, the town that you picked? What, it's, it's Worcester, Vermont, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, you did that. So when we moved, Brian was actually a stay-at-home dad, which is how he taught himself mushroom farming and, and whatnot. But um, it was the school systems. You, you were, like, studying all the school systems. Yeah. At the time, we had a teenager. Um, so Originally, we based it on the school systems. I had a daughter who was just going into high school. Mm-hmm. Um or had just entered high tenth school, grade. 10th grade. Yeah. yeah. So it was really important that, you know, she be somewhere where she could, because honestly moving a 16 year old from everything they know to nowhere, <laughs> Vermont, that <laughs> didn't, didn't go <laughs> moving a four year old and a two year old is real easy. Cause they don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> moving a 15 year old, 14 year old girl is a whole other a whole other can of worms. So we, we really wanted to make sure that we were in a decent school system where the high school was was good. And and the way it works in Vermont is because it's so rural, one high school will host five or six smaller communities around it. So we sort of picked the high school 
looked at which communities fed into that high school and focused our home search and job search and everything based on based on that alone really yeah now how far are you from like nashua now from nashua three hours hours north so you guys are up north of montpelier we're we're about 20 minutes north of montpelier yeah nice awesome montpelier not not pillier i always say pillier it's pillier it's not we're not we're not there it's it's french here like it is (laughs) it's way more french in nashua than it is in montpelier vermont believe it or not so i should i can show them the view out the window oh i'm sorry i'm getting a bad connection i'm sorry if i might have interrupted you there no, no, no! I I missed your last question. Oh, so you're you're totally, pretty much self sufficient. You guys have this awesome community. You all barter. You all trade, and and it seems like everything is is awesome up there. Let's talk about what um what I really wanted to, to talk to you guys about, and what we're super interested in too is the whole mushroom thing. How did you get involved? Mm-hmm mushrooms and why mushrooms and 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 let's talk about the medicinal properties he he told me on on one of our podcasts we had mentioned that you guys were coming on and and this statement is stuck with me he goes mushrooms aren't from this planet and i'm I'm afraid well might not be i mean there's there's theories that they've proven that mushroom spores can survive the vacuum of space so that that much they know. So the possibility that mushroom spores could have come from another planet or from another galaxy, it's possible. But they know for a fact that mushrooms can travel on the outside of a spacecraft and, and come back and be viable. So that's proven. Well, they, they just got strapped into the outside of the spacecraft? And- <laughs> I didn't, I'm not, I, I could, I'll find, I could find you the link or the article, but oh, there, there is, there's, yeah. Um, they probably felt like they were right at home once they got to a certain spot in, spot in the atmosphere. So, so Karen, from what I understand and what I've seen on, on the, on the website, I, I was taking a look through your, you know, your about and, and through the website, I got a bottle of the, the neuro, 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 that was you. <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> I've been taking it since I think Tuesday it showed up. And yeah, yeah it got COVID, so it must work. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't tested positive yet. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, so Karen, I, I do it all the time. You're you're basically the scientist behind all of this, right? From from what I understand, or at least I'm gathering, and then you're the you're the brawn, you're the you're the grower and, and, and the business part of it. In doing the hard work, do I have that right? Explain how this whole yeah, thing- no, that's absolutely right. Back when, back way back in our story when we were in Dover, and I was stay-at-home dad for five or six years, um, I needed a hobby, so I decided to try to start growing mushrooms at home, um, and failed miserably for a number of years. It was really that was uh, over fifteen years ago, um, and and home growing mushrooms was in its infancy at that stage so most of the information that was out there was was youtube videos and and uh, you know videos from from china and thailand and in foreign languages and it was just sort of getting pieced together um 
at the time. So I just, I, it was, it was a fun distraction for a number of years. When we moved to Vermont and started hanging out at farmer's markets and going to the local co-ops here, we realized there was no local mushrooms at all in the area we're in as, as, as crazy as that seemed. Most of the mushrooms that they had were coming from Pennsylvania, which is where most of the mushrooms in the U.S. are, are currently grown. So we thought, rather than me going out and getting a real job, which I didn't want to do because I'd had a lot of real jobs for a lot of years, that maybe my real job could just be selling some shiitakes to the tourists at the farmer's market on the weekend so that's kind of the path that we uh, that we headed down. We just started growing shiitakes and oysters and 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 you know whatever strains I was I was learning at the time, selling them at the farmers market, and we did that for four five, five four or five years, <clears throat> just selling fresh mushrooms. And it was during that period of time that Karen discovered you know that some of these mushrooms we were growing to sell all of them. <laughs> that all of the mushrooms that we were selling so people could put them on pizza were really if they were extracted in the right way and treated the right way were highly medicinal mushrooms with real therapeutic values so that's kind of where her her brain started churning again and 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 yeah. started applying everything that she had learned from the pharmaceutical industry into maybe we could produce some really high quality medicinal products. And there's no, we're, we're the first, as far as I know, we're the first medicinal mushroom product company in Vermont and certainly the first organic ones. So, well, so that are solely focused on medicinal. There's, so, there's a lot of other little like we were a number of years ago, smaller mushroom farms that were, right. that are doing it, but not as a focus. Correct. Yeah. So we were, we're, we're kind of trying to carve a trail, even getting our organic certification was yeah, a chore. Yeah, because we actually just got our organic certification last month. Just last month, but they had never really dealt with a mushroom company before. It was always, you know, the typical farming operations with typical sort of crops or that, log growers or log log mushroom growers but things that they were but we were unfamiliar to them so it was it was a tough year but we we did it you guys have morels up there at all we, yeah no you you can't really cultivate morels but yeah we have a pretty good morel season actually um yeah and, and you know enough to go out there and take a look on the ground and, and know what to pick and what not to pick and, and all that? Um, I, I know some. I am not anywhere near like the, the, some of the folks we work with. Um, you know, when we were little, we could get enough medicinals. So the medicinals, the common medicinals where we are, and, and they only happen to be here because of the typical the type of forest that Vermont has um, it only happens a couple places in the world where all the different um, types of trees come together so that's why we have so many medicinals in our woods around here um, but uh, I can identify all the basic medicinals and then as you get into the fancier edibles and whatnot no that that takes my god that, that takes 
years of study, you know? Um, so the folks we work with now who do all the wildcrafting for us, you know, one of the guys has been doing it for 28 years. The other guy's been doing it for 18 years. The other guy does it almost full time for nine years now. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm an absolute novice at that. But the good thing is that the medicinals are so unique and there's so few, um, so few false versions of them that, and none of the false versions will kill you. That's the other, you know, there's a few important things. Like if you're going to make a mistake, make sure that nothing you're going to make a mistake with can kill you. Um, um, so yeah, it just, you know, a lot of studying and stuff like that. She's also, she forgot to mention it, but Karen's also in her second year of a three-year herbalism school here in Vermont. So she'll be qualified as a clinical herbalist in another year or so. We're trying to integrate what's already known about how powerful the herbs in our environment can be with what we're learning and what we're trying to teach people about how powerful the mushrooms can be sort of bring all of that together in sort of a more of a holistic way, you know. Do you do any more growing for, for farmers markets and restaurants? Mark brought back, I think it was like two years ago now, some lion's mane mushrooms. You just handed me a brown paper bag and go here, enjoy that. And I love Mark. <laughs> He's awesome. I gotta I gotta tell you, I, I was ecstatic. When I opened this bag and I saw him and I, I sliced them thin, yeah. a, a big green egg that I used to cook on, and I fired that thing up and, and I seasoned them up with what I call spog, which is salt, pepper, onion, garlic. Slice them up, saute them. I, I put them right over the direct heat, but I got that direct heat so controlled that it just kind of crisped them up and, and nice. brought all the flavors out of them. They were incredible. So there's no chance of, of getting any kind of mushrooms like that for it from you, huh? You guys are strictly- um, we, so for local for our local for anyone local because we actually do have a couple of customers actually some that aren't even that local that when they come to get their tinctures they'll try to organize it for when we have mushrooms <laughs> or you know there's a local pizza maker in town we'll let him know so for our local friends and friends yes we do have fresh when we have fresh yeah. that's the thing is with farmers markets you he would have to organize everything to make sure that harvests are on Friday. And when you're working with stuff like mushrooms that either grow quickly or if they're not ready, they're just not ready. Like I've gone to farmer's market so many weeks with nothing. So it was sort of like, thank you know, that's one of the reasons we ended up figuring out the whole medicinal line. I mean, we, we've done a lot of other value added products. The thing with, you know, little businesses like ours is like, how do you, how do you stay relevant? How do you sell? How do you sell shit? <laughs> you know, how do you make money? How do you make money and line? feed yourself? If you want to continue <laughs> to live the lifestyle we live, it, there's still the bottom line. If you have you to earn, you got to make some money. No, you, you guys know, like word of mouth. Like an island, you got to make. Oh. You Go guys word of mouth, or you just do you advertise? Like, how do you, how do you get your name out there? We're getting better at that this year. We're figuring that out. (laughs) Um, We're figuring it out. You know, I don't, our backgrounds, like we, we brought a lot to the table with 
how to grow them and how to do the buildings to grow them and how to take care of stuff and how to make medicines and, you know, figuring out how to do accounting. Um, but the one thing, you know, there's always something that you're not, it's just not yeah. going to be your strong suit. We're not great at marketing. <laughs> Marketing's it. So the good thing is, is where we are in Vermont, you know, the whole culture around this state is, yeah, we want to support local. So typically when we go into, you know, we were selling at co-ops, wherever we went in, they were like, hell yeah, we want your stuff, you know? Um, but so now, now we've got, um, the state of Vermont's been oh, a huge help been this amazing. year. So we got into this program called the Vermont Farm and the Vermont Forest and Farm Viability Program. And so, um, sorry. So if you see me kind of moving around, no. go ahead. And um, it was recommended to us by a couple a couple of different farming friends, and for small small businesses. Um, that are in agriculture that are trying to figure out how to be sustainable. So it's a grant-based program and um, it's funded by, it's funded by like, there's this tiny tax that they put on, I think all property sales and the tax ends up going to people like us. So we got a business advisor and um, he helped us figure out like, okay, we have this thing. We think we need to do this medicinal thing. I'm not, I'm not a business person. Yes, we're in business, but I'm not a business person. I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't even understand half of these freaking financial report things. <laughs> and you shouldn't, you know, so, be able to sell you yeah. Yeah. they helped us. They got us a marketing advisor. They gave us a grant um, to be able to redo our website and redo our labels and like all, you know, grow, grow into a, a big, a real company. So that's what we're figuring out. We're figuring out how to sell it. I do like your website. Very easy to use. I just, I yeah, it worked out well. By it's you. way better than the last version. That's for sure. Uh -huh. Awesome. What was the name of that grant-based um, uh, program again, Vermont? Farm and Forest Viability Program. They take like a certain number of farms every year. And it's like a two-year program. And they actually helped connect us with the the like the places where we got our loans to expand the business and stuff like that. We just bought a second property last year, year before last. We, through the Vermont program, they connected us with some agricultural loan and financing people. And we were able to get a second property to sort of expand our production. And, and more importantly, we were able to build a, a commercial kitchen. So we have an FDA approved commercial kitchen now which you know which she produces all the products and so forth so, so they've been incredibly helpful to try and keep a small business moving in the right yeah. direction you know you need a i got a question for you guys sure um, you said earlier you said you have an acre and a half of workable land does that include the new land you got down the street or is that because it seems like that's more that's just just what we farm on here. Is the acre and a half there? Technically, our field is about an acre and three quarters, but so much of it is underwater so much of the year that, <laughs> that we don't count it for production. <laughs> but we're getting irrigation done this year, so hopefully we're going to claim back a little land. I think we figured out we, we farm, like we have 
what do we figure about a quarter acre of crops total yeah and then we have berries and we have fruit trees not that those produce anything um and the pig pens and the pig pens so yeah you must be planting seeds now getting them started yep i'm on my third round of seeds so seed starting there's a lot to learn in seed starting and um, I got to say, if it weren't for most of the farmers that I, I get like second amounts of all my seedlings from, we wouldn't eat. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's hard. There's a first round and then the second. Yeah, there, it, it's hard to like start from scratch and start from seeds and, and do it in a way that really does get you all the way to vegetables. You know, um, I'm getting good at it but i'm still not good You're at many really crops. Good. i'm getting better at it but um but now i know i know which crops that i suck at you know and what is it it's, it's stop being, if she could stop being great at zucchini that'd be fucking awesome <laughs> <laughs> i'll send you some zucchini recipes <laughs> getting tired of zucchini bread and muffins she, she kills it on zucchini and squash <laughs> You got to do stuff with the flowers. The flowers are absolutely awesome. You dredge yes. the flour and, and fry them up. When you do your planting, how do you how do you time it out? Do you go from from the the last fro the first frost, right? Yep. How many months before the first frost? Yeah. So it depends, and it depends on what you're growing. So like cold season crops, like spinach, kale, uh, peas, brassicas, carrots. Uh, carrots can go in now, but they're not quite cold season. So there's certain stuff that'll germinate in the spring, like as soon as you can work your soil. I know people who already put their spinach seeds in the garden. Oh. Um, I'm a little behind, but I have spinach seeds in trays growing right now. So I have spinach, broc uh, cabbage, broccoli, kale, um, and a, a, like a handful of other things going as seedlings right now under lights. Um, and then like this weekend, I'll start the, the really long ones. So tomatoes and peppers, those take a solid eight weeks before you can put them out. And so those don't go out until after first frost, which here is June. So I go and wave. So three, four weeks ago, I started spring crops this weekend. I'll start the six to eight week germinating stuff like tomatoes and peppers in another two to three weeks, I'll start the summer stuff, which only takes four to six weeks to germinate. And that's like, that's your cukes, that's your um, cucumbers. What goes out? I, I have, I have lists on calendars. Um, cucumbers will go out in six weeks before June. Um, squash, winter squash, zucchini, um, all like your summary stuff. Yep. So yeah, it all gets started in waves. And I've learned this the hard way. Again, like if you start them too early, your plants will be too big or too spindly. If you start them too late, they won't be big enough. Um, and then, you know, you just won't get a lot of fruit. So, so I'm not too late to start uh, seeding right now. Like I have everything already. Seeds and do it. No, right now. Like for don't, the, for the yeah. spring stuff, right now is yeah, the time. Don't for, don't start your cukes yet. Don't start your you know winter squash yet. Don't start your zucchini yet. Like those cooker bit plants. Don't start those yet. Okay. What about peppers? Green peppers. 
Peppers and tomatoes are right now. Peppers and tomatoes, those are nightshade plants and they need like a couple of months. They need six to eight weeks to get big enough. And lights too, right? You need the ultraviolet. Lights and heat. So if you, you cannot, you're not going to be successful if you start with like the sunlight from the window. Done, done that before. They look good. They look, they're like, look, they're growing, but they're not growing in a way that they'll even be able to stand up when you put them out there. They'll okay. just, they'll die. Um, and then heat, heat for the summer stuff, that makes a huge difference. Um, so the first year I did it in, when, go ahead. The temperature would be ideal in that, for that. Like you said. Um, so it's pretty low. I, so we actually, we, we have a DIY seed heater that we figured out, which is really cheap. And we take an inch and a half of blue board, mm-hmm. right? And we take bright white LED rope lights and we just thread the rope lights on top of the insulated board. Yeah. And you can put trays right on that and it keeps them warm enough. Oh, don't spend, cool. don't spend 20, 30, 50, 80 bucks on those silly seed heaters. Yeah. Just, mats. just the inch and a half blue insulation, yeah. carpet channel out for the rope, the, like the Christmas rope lights. I don't even do that anymore. And, yeah. And it just work. put the trays right on. Right It'll on. keep them just warm enough. Yeah. You just saved me from, from a, a trip to, to Amazon too, because I, I just want to try it's way to have, you know? And our lights, our lights, we just get like Home Depot. Um, what are those? Shop yeah, just lights. like the shop, you know, four shop foot lights. shop lights. Get yourself a plain old, we have plastic, um, plastic shelves. And you can just hook the shop lights from the shelves on a chain. So you can move the shop lights up and down as you need it. And then um, your hot season crops. So that's your tomatoes, your peppers, your cukes. When you get there, those can go on the seed your DIY seed heater. That whole thing together is plenty cheap versus if you actually bought plant you, lights and yeah. a plant growing thing and the plant seed heaters, that stuff is expensive. People were growing this stuff way before Amazon. Yeah. There's smart yeah. ways to do it on the cheap. And put your lights on a timer, just your cheap old timers from Abishans. I'm doing 12 it's, hours and 12 hours, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. That about right? Yep. Yep. Okay. And on a timer. Awesome. Good to know. I'm glad I didn't miss the tomato seed starting. And that's my project with my girls tomorrow. Is, uh, yep. Get it done tomorrow. Yeah. yeah we got uh-huh. to do outside tomorrow. And then we're going to clear the table off. I'm going to break out the soil. And, and you know, we got the seed starting soil. And I got a bunch of egg crates. And, and we're just going to go to town. And, and I'll stop. I'll, I'll stop down in my basement and grab everything I need to, to make the, the heater and everything. That's awesome. I'm glad yeah. to oh, awesome. Nice. How old are they? What's that? How old are, you, how old are your kids? Nine-year-old and I have a, a six-year-old. Yeah, nice. Nine-year-old, she actually turns nine on, on Sunday. So uh, Sundays are... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, I got to say, our boys, this is probably the first year that our boys have not had to seed anything. But the, our boys know how to seed. They yeah. know... They know all kinds. Our, they boys, know. our boys know how to butcher chickens. Yeah. Our boys, whether they'll continue to do it when they when they're when they're adults is up to them. But they they know how to take care of themselves. They know how to do stuff now. They know how to make pickle. They know how to make applesauce. They know how to. 
seed plants. They know how to. Yeah. Do you mind if we swing? Do you mind if we swing back to the mushroom business real quick? Um, no, anything you want, man. The different types that you grow, and and what their intended medicinal purposes are. So basically, I guess run run. Can can you run us through your inventory? Oh, yeah. I'm let you go. We deal with like seven different medicinal yeah. mushrooms, and I'll let Karen quickly sort of highlight them. So Brian cultivates lion's mane, cordyceps, and shiitake, and we just got our first uh, spores to start cultivating reishi. So we'll that's start exciting. Growing reishi um, for wild harvested, we have um, turkey tail. We have uh, reishi, which here is the local, it's Ganoderma tsuge. Um, we have maitake. Chaga. We have chaga. That would be and and, and artist conch, but I don't work with artist conch, which is Ganoderma aplanatum. I don't work with it too often anymore, but we have it tinctured on the shelf. So um, give them a, like, like a, so, a 60 second of what yeah. each one is yeah. renowned for. So... So, of course, there's an FDA-allowed version and a non-FDA-allowed version. Right. <laughs> yeah, we want to hear the non-FDA-allowed <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. So, all right. Cordyceps, amazing for energy. Oxygen uptake, lungs. So, it helps your body to better uh, and more efficiently uptake and utilize oxygen. So, if you can imagine, oxygen does a lot of stuff in your body. Um, great for kidney health. Um, and it has actually been studied with um, libido and infertility. So like sperm health, sperm counts, things like that. Um, all medicinal mushrooms across the board are really great for your immune system. So they're, they're beta glucans, which are the polysaccharides that are in the mushrooms and in their cell wall. Um, really long chain polysaccharides, but when we process the mushrooms with heat and the way we process them, we break those down into the, the, the big buzzword for mushrooms are the beta-glucans. Basically, they stimulate your digestive system in a way that makes it think that um, there's like a pathogen there. And so it just sparks up your immune system. It modulates it because sometimes it will calm your immune parts of your immune system down and sometimes it will rev parts of your immune system up. And so, you know, when you talk about mushrooms being from another world, like they kind of are, like they, they kind of know the situation, yeah. which is really bizarre. Um, so, and again, because of that, mushrooms have been very well studied with things like cancers and things like that. They don't cure your cancer. You know, mushrooms do not cure anything. Um, what they do is they support your body and its natural processes. That's what a lot of natural medicines do. They're not this, this magic potion necessarily, but like, you know, if you step up to the plate, they'll step up to the plate kind of thing. Um, so chaga is really great for like digestive issues. You know, chaga is, <clears throat> I got to say chaga is um, an at-risk species. So chaga. Chaga grows, medicinal chaga only grows on species. Really, really long. What the concern is, is basically everybody running out there and hacking off the chaga and damaging the trees and taking too much and stuff like that. Because a little goes a long way. 
And now, you know, mushrooms are booming and you find stuff like chaga in everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's definitely a concern that, um, you know, everyone, we get people showing up all the time asking to sell us chaga. And it's like, no, we have very, very specific people we work with. We know why they're harvesting, you know, in what manner they harvest. So. And that's why we extract it into tinctures so we can make them, so we can make the most use. Yeah. And, and, and so we can get that, whatever that amount of chaga is out to most yeah. people. We won't just. And we go, yeah, we go in, we go in waves of whether, whether we offer it or whether we don't, um, you know, it, it's kind of this moral ethical thing, but um, yeah. So reishi, reishi is known as the mushroom of immortality. Uh, I have a friend who has Crohn's. Would it help with that, Crohn's? I cannot give any direct advice. All right, all right, that's fine. So anyway. Um, I can say that I have worked with a couple of people who have had incredible improvement in digestive issues um, really quickly with chaga tea. So it check it out. No. Um, it's it's worth trying. Let's say that it's definitely, definitely, definitely worth trying. Um, so rate, you know, reishi and we'll, is, no, and we'll do no harm, and that's the most not important thing. Harm. Yeah. None of these things yeah. will harm you in any way, and they may or may not help you. Yeah. Um, but they may. <laughs> Reishi is great for a lot of things, uh, inflammation in particular, like um, it actually helps to block antihistamines, um, great with like uh, arthri arthritic conditions, um, joint. joint issues, um, reishi is blood pressure. It does help, um, it can help to gently lower blood pressure. Um, let's see. Reishi does so many things. It's known as an adaptogen, so it helps you or your body like respond to stress. Um, it, my goodness, it protects your liver. Um, it's, you know, it, it uh, yeah. Ancient civilizations held reishi very, very yeah. sacred, and it was only only it was it was completely kept for the upper the echelon the yeah. emperor and the yeah it, it was highly highly yeah. prized and for a good reason and for thousands of years yeah uh, my and, and then all of these again all of these over in china and japan and you know like thailand and places like that but mostly china and japan they've been really really studied and they've actually been developed into like cancer drugs um fractions of the different mushrooms but they've been developed into cancer drugs which is pretty cool um maitake shiitake oyster mushrooms all fantastic for your metabolism and helping your body um to control blood sugar um you know none of these none of these are substitutes for the medication you're on. Um, although I am working with one person who wanted to get off his low dose of, um, of um, cholesterol medication and is working with his doctor. His doctor's like, yeah, let's try this all together. So um, 
he's going to let me know in a few months how it's working out. But, um, but, but good, good for blood sugar, cholesterol, again, will not fix it, but will help your body in natural ways to control it. Um, Which one was that one again? Um, my talkie, my talkie, and reishi are all, and oyster are all super helpful. Okay. Um, yeah. And they, and you know, it's interesting. It's kind of cool too, because each of them has a different chemical pathway that does it. Um, reishi and um, oyster mushrooms have basically what's known as lovastat. That's, you know, that's like the original, that's where like Merck got the original compounds <laughs> was in like reishi and red yeast, rice and oyster mushrooms, which, you know, traditional herbalists and people like that knew People before us are way smarter. <laughs> so they knew that it helped for stuff like that. But um, I don't think overall, yeah, that's probably good. So lion's mane is fantastic for cognitive function, cognitive support, digestive support. Um, it has been shown in lab mice studies to help regrow the myelin sheathing on your neurons in your brain. Um, Again, my studies are definitely not quite human studies, but, um, you know, when you pair some of the scientific data with what people are seeing, you know, in use. Um, but yeah, so that one's really great for the nervous system, cognitive function and stuff like that. So, and there's, you know, it's cool because they're all similar, but then each of them have these like their own special um Power, super powers. Powers. Power. They're superpowers. They each yeah, have their own great. superpower. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a great way to put that. It really is. Um, Thank yeah. you. So they're they're just they're you know um, especially during our times and especially the winters and stuff. If you're not taking a medicinal mushroom, you're not being kind enough to your immune system. It's an easy way. It's an easy, no harm way to boost your immune system. I think we're about to see the, the medicinal use of mushrooms explode. That's just my, my foresight from following sort of a, a, a health and wellness it's, community that's surrounded by, I don't know if you've heard of companies like on it. Um, mm -hmm. Basically um, exercise companies that are into like kettlebells and the sort of alternative to the Globo gym are all pushing the use of, of these, these mushrooms and different paths to get into, to obtain optimal wellness. And, and I think you guys are pioneers, right? Right, right at the start of it. And I, I think it's absolutely yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's been cool. It's definitely it's, been cool. This was an article came out in National Geographic last year that said it's currently a $50 billion year industry. And most people have never heard of it yet. So we feel like we're, we're right at the sort of the forefront of people recognizing mushrooms as being ancient and purposeful and, and, and healing, you know, yeah. and we don't expect to be, I mean, I, I don't, we have no vision of being a huge company. We're pretty well known in Vermont. We're trying to get well known outside of New England. <laughs> we currently, I'm not even sure how it's going on. We have a promotion on our website right now um, where people want to sign up and give your email address. 
Um, you can get one of our products free. We're giving away a hundred, I think a hundred samples. First hundred people. Yeah. First hundred people that sign up, um, get a product free. And then there's a way to get a second product yeah. free. And if, I, if, if you can go to your local web, like local, there, it's interesting the the number of different places that carry mushrooms, like there's CBD places that do there's, you know, there's even like, health food health places co-ops um you know a lot of different places uh, <clears throat> you know natural stores we have a place in montpelier aeromed she does aromatherapy um but um so yeah so if if you can get us the name of a wellness buyer at a local place close to you and or like give them our empty bottle or whatnot and ask for our product um we'll send you a second free so we're, we're trying to stretch outside of Vermont yeah. right now, but these are our guerrilla marketing tactics. Cause <laughs> <laughs> this, this was perfect timing then because you guys are looking to, to push the business. We wanted to get you guys on the podcast to talk about a little bit of homesteading, a little bit about mushrooms and, and finally get to get to meet uh, the, the people that grew those lion's manes that I, I loved so much. <laughs> I hear Mark talking about you guys and, uh, yeah, we've been wanting to, to connect with you for, for a while. Um, we're, we'll wrap it up. I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. I know it's a Friday night and you guys want to hang no, out. You, honestly, you're not keeping us from anything. If you, if, <laughs> you know, whatever. If there's any other topics you guys want to cover. What's the Vermont gets crazy on Fridays. <laughs> we're not in a hurry. This is a huge, exciting night in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we... If you have more questions, we're happy to keep going. It's totally up to you. I, I think I got everything I was I was really yeah. looking to 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 accomplish as far as like questions cool. and learning about the business. And we really want to help you guys get your name out. So, um, you know, we'd, we'd like to mention your your company on the show and all that. And, you know, we just want you to keep doing what you're doing, and 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 we love it. I, I love this neuroimmune that I got. I love that I what I heard about every single mushroom that you mentioned. Is, is is in this right here? Um, yeah. When I put the, the website, is, um, I'll, I'll link your website in it. Peacefulharvestmushrooms.com. <laughs> oh yeah, I got it. I got it right here on the second screen. So yeah, yeah, we're on we're on Facebook too, and we're out there. We're I just not we're not great marketers. We're just trying to carve an abnormal path through this fucked up world <laughs> i want to help you with that though too we know a bunch of people in the podcast world too um that do this that are way bigger names than we are um and and i'd, I'd love to you know put, connect you with that yeah what i'll do is i'll when i post this up i usually put it on twitter um i don't usually put it on facebook because for some reason i just i can't stand facebook um <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, if you're on that, we'll tag you guys. If if not, we'll, we'll you know we'll hashtag the business and, and and I'll tag you know a bunch of bunch of podcast friends that, that we have. Um, and hopefully we can get you out on some more podcasts, getting the getting the word out because I I firmly sure. that, you know what he said: mushrooms are not of this world, and and I really think that they're 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 here to help. And and yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, but I mean, even beyond that, man, just just kind of spreading the message of people becoming a little more self-sufficient, even if it's just a 10-foot square garden in your backyard yeah. or, or, or four chickens or whatever, just people reconnecting with 
food is as important as what we're doing yeah. on the mushroom side as well. It's yeah, just it's people good. need to, to people need to understand that, that, you know, this, we're not that far connected. I mean, back in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, people raised their own food and you got eggs from your neighbors and that's the way life was. And we quickly, we get trained out of that in less than two generations. And it's so for, true. For convenience and profit. For convenience and profit. That's it. It tells me stories, my grandfather, that when he was a kid, like 10, 12 years old or something like that, he worked in a, in a local grocery store and he grew up in Lawrence. And his job in that grocery store was to get the chickens, kill them and feather them so that they could, yeah. you know, so that they could sell the chickens in that market. And, and you go through Lawrence now, you're not finding any chickens. That's it. I mean, that wasn't 500 years ago. That was our grandparents, you know? Right here in our town, in Salem, New Hampshire, we have zones set up. And where I am, I, the town tells me that I can't have chickens. I might just right. finger up and get some chickens in my backyard because I want the eggs, but I also want to fight it so that I do it legally too. You know what I mean? Within the confines of... Well, you know, fight it legally and fight it as an anarchist too. Just get the chickens, raise the stink, let them take the chickens, and then you're going to have everybody that loves PETA on your side in town too, because they took your chickens, man. And you know, it's it's people don't people don't understand what they don't know either, right? You know, and so people have this. And there's a balance, like, you know, would I raise a pig in town? No, no they smell like it, it, it's sort of there's a give and take there. But right. You but know, having a half dozen egg layers in your backyard is not only harmless, it's but it's helpful. beneficial to your lawn, man. We, yeah. we don't have ticks around. Our, rid of ticks. Our I was just going to say that. Like, That's we huge. We don't have yeah. ticks around our property. There's no ticks. There's plenty of ticks, you know, across the street as soon as where our chickens don't roam. But. Honestly, other people just find my, my, my grandfather, my father, my stepfather came to visit and they thought we were crazy, but he is so happy to sit and watch the chickens. It's hysterical. He'll sit like, for hours. And just he's delighted the by the chickens and then there's eggs, you know? So I think the more that people can see a people trying to be self-sufficient and B that, you know, it is not what you think it is, you know, it, it yeah. you don't need a whole lot. We've got nine chickens right now. I've got six dozen eggs sitting yeah. in my mudroom uneaten and I have two teenage boys. So we go through eggs, but I got six dozen piled up right now waiting for somebody to come by and trade or buy them or, or whatever. But you don't need a whole lot of chickens yeah. to have a healthy supply. They lay an egg every damn day. I love that whole idea, like that everyone trades with each other, and it's kind of like that. What do you call like agorism mentality, or is it? Yeah, agorist and agorist. We're still learning about that. But you're like you're kind of working together. Like you, you go. You're good at you get the chicken eggs. Well, this person has cows that gets you milk and stuff like that, and you trade. Yeah, I think we need more of that. Have you it is really cool because everybody has something that they want and most people have something that they can give. And it's been cool for our kids to watch this too, because it's, you know, some, some people 
you'll barter based on truly the value of what the thing is. Like, what can I sell this for retail? Right. And, and it's funny because you figure out the barter when you start talking to people, like what kind of people people are. Um, but like, we know when we barter with um, someone in town works at a, a famous cheese place that the cheese is unbelievable. It's one world cheese competitions, but you know, they trade it when we have extra asparagus. And I always found like, I'm just, this is asparagus. And they are so happy to have fresh asparagus. But it's almost because we got so much asparagus last year. It was almost worthless to us. And they were giving us literal award-winning cheese cheese from the, from the farm that he works at. But they have it all the time in his the asparagus meant nothing to us and both of us thought like we were stealing oh, from God. each other you know what i mean that's that but you have to develop that too that's not going to happen organically just because you have something you need to develop that network of people around you that are interested in participating in that i was listening to your earlier podcasts and there was people setting up like you know the the local swap the uh, you know where people were coming together with things that they created and made made and you guys uh, i forget the details of how it worked but basically that that's what we have but just organically out in the community it doesn't necessarily come together on a specific night each month it's just when we have eggs we tell people we have eggs when we have this or when somebody else has something and but but you gotta you gotta kind of work for that and it network you know what else is cool i've found over the years is that sometimes you know you're getting the raw end of the deal like you know you know like but it doesn't matter and it's funny because when you have the right groups of people you're connected with, you know that the next time you guys go to barter something, you're going to put up like, and it's unsaid, like you look at each other, actually what, what people will say when the barter isn't quite even, are you sure about that? That's what, you, are you sure about that? Yeah, no, it's all good. And you're like, all right. And that all right means I'm going to get you when I can get you next time. We'll square it. <laughs> we'll square time. it next time. Cause I know. And you know, they will. And, and they you know, know that, that if you, you didn't, it they... would be okay too though. Right. right. Like a whole we give away a lot here. I mean, we, we live on a, we live on a road that gets a lot of cars past it. And we just, whenever we have extra equipment or, you know, old shelves or grills or whatever, you just, you put it out there, you know, somebody <laughs> needs it more than the town dump needs it so you just but, try to recycle things through the community as much as you can some yeah. your trash is somebody else's treasure is sort of the yeah. attitude the grill we just put on the road that our neighbor down the road picked up we got used from someone in the other part of town for 50 bucks except it was worth way more than 50 bucks when we got it yeah, like <laughs> but three, that's you know this ago. grill now has been to three Places. At least three different homes in this community. So and that's you know and that's just just part of being connected. Connected. You can't be an island. You got to be connected. Have you guys heard of Freedom Cells? Freedom Cells. I think it's either .org or .com. 
So what, it's, it's a, a, a social network of sorts. And it was set up by this guy, Derek Rose, who's a, who's a big activist within the, the anarchist movement. And, and the, the guy is, is, in my opinion, just completely intelligent, brilliant. And what he set up was absolutely unbelievable. And it's basically a, a virtual version of what you were talking about. But that virtual version can easily be transcribed into, into real life and, and local. So, so you set up your freedom cell and other people from your area search you out through keywords and find you. And it could be somebody who knows how to pickle and there's somebody who knows how to make great kimchi and, and somebody who knows how to sew, and somebody who knows X, Y, and Z. And you all kind of meet together and do exactly what you're talking about in your neighborhood. So it kind of, you know, it's, it's like the, I guess the, the 21st century way of, of doing it. You guys should look into yeah. setting something up up there and you may get people from surrounding communities too. And uh, just grow it into something. So, so it's already set up. It's been set up for a long time oh, in Montpelier. Yeah. It's called Onion River, Onion River Exchange. It's oh, okay. it's years old. Um, and yeah, you just, it's, um, there's like a point bank or a time bank. And based on what skill you have, you know, you could be a carpenter and say, hey, I've got carpenter, I got this many hours carpenter work. Oh, I'm looking right. for this thing. And that can facilitate a three-way trade too. Like, okay, I'm going to give you carpenter work. You're going to give him the pottery. He's going to give me that thing. That so it's like more. you put in yeah. what you're looking for. You put in what you have available. Um, if you want to just do cash and go in there and pay somebody for that skill, you can. But yeah, that's what so we need to get back is, to. Is recycle big up there? Whatever is what free cycle? Do you guys use that up there? I didn't hear. cycle free cycle. Everybody, so we have something called Front Porch Forum. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, Front Porch Forum. Every town has their own little like town email list and anything you want to give away anything you're looking for anything you want to sell anything you want people to know about anybody's pigs that got loose anybody <laughs> has cows okay. running up <laughs> yeah. um, that, that's yeah. sort of local things like hey somebody oh, some somebody dropped an entire toolbox off the back of their truck and it was like hey found a toolbox on route 12 anybody know who this is right. or you know Hey, saw a suspicious car driving up in such and such a place. But um, but yeah, anything free or that you're looking for for payment or free seeking. I use, I use I've been using free cycle since I lived up in Summersworth, and it, you know I switched my location here. There's only two other users in town, so it's not as active as it was. <laughs> but great thing to just put up like your garbage that you just yeah. don't want to send it to the dump. Someone shows up, takes it, and you say goodbye to it. So I didn't know if that was a big org up there. That's how we, that's how we found our grill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vermont has their own version of it. I, I find when when I learn about things in Vermont or things that we're we're finding out about, like sustainability and the the homesteading and, and whatnot, Vermont's already ahead of the curve on it. Years and years. How many here, dude? We got like we got like seven hundred thousand people in the entire state. Yeah, there's no here. It's awesome. I'm hoping <laughs> here. I know you guys are pretty far away from it, but Brattleboro has the the strolling of the heifers again. I'm, I'm looking to 
I'm looking to get over there for that. <laughs> we're supposed to vend yeah, at the Yeah, I actually, I vended at the, they, so the strolling of the heifers is way more than just the strolling of the heifers. Like they started this entire town. It's an organization called Strolling of the Heifers and they support local really well. They have like four different, um, like four different event things. We vended there last Christmas um, in there. They like actually have a, spot but they've they do a lot of stuff there it's a cool it's a really cool group that puts on a lot of different um activities and events and connects like local suppliers and lots of local vendors local makers yeah now what about crypto are you guys using cryptocurrencies up there at all or is everything still based on cash Cash is king. So based on hiding it under my mattress, so dude. So Vermont, we're even, we're even still into checks. Really? Most, yep, mostly because everyone here knows if I pay you by check, you don't have to pay the bank a fee. Yeah. Yeah. People and, like yeah. checks here. Cash and checks, like. We're going to buy the checks. Yeah. Hmm? We're going to buy the checks. Where, yeah, they're dirt cheap off like Vistaprint and stuff like that. But yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people will ask you. I have people ask me all the time, how would you prefer to be paid? I prefer cash or check. Do you do you foresee maybe cryptocurrency moving up up in that area or, or, or becoming more prevalent in, in um, uh, self-sufficient communities like like yours? Don't necessarily. That, that seems like a no. <laughs> Again, it's really it's about cash check and what do you physically have? Yeah, that's, you know, that's the, the, more like that gets the yeah. twinkle in my eyes. What do you physically have in the bartering system? That's very interesting. It's like that's pure liberty. Interesting. Yeah, I have something. Do you, do you have something that I want? I have something that you may want. Let's I trust cryptocurrency like I trust the stock market you accept it for what it is and don't be really surprised when it all yeah. bottoms out Why literally the the stock market crash in 2008 is what initially got us even talking and discussing and thinking about changing our lifestyle and maybe extracting ourselves a little bit from capitalism to the extent that we could, um, you know, the, 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 the retirement accounts took a beating, man. And it proved then how volatile and weak and, and vulnerable and vulnerable it is to events that you have no control over. And it's happened a couple of times since then in a minor way. And it's inevitably going to happen again. So to think that crypto is a solution to that, maybe. I don't know enough about it and I'm not invested in it. Well, but I don't trust any of my currency on any digital blips and bloops on a computer yeah. anymore yeah it's what I, what i have and what i can make and what can i produce and what do i what do i visit what can i physically put my hands on in the next month if things go tits up yeah yeah, yeah that's that's a good way to put liquid it's, the i thing feel is, better liquid as as cool as the technology and i don't know very much about crypto either i've 
you know, listen to a couple of podcasts, but you know, as it's cool as the technology the is and as brilliantly secure as the technology is, somebody is still fucking manipulating it on, you know, on the levels of things like stock markets and whatnot and values and whatnot. And, you know, the, the thing I think we've, or at least I'll speak for me that I've been able to wrap my head around is what, what is the purpose of money <coughs> and truly what's the value of it? Cause you can't fucking eat it. It's, you know, if you don't have access to a doctor, it doesn't matter how much currency you have. If you don't know how, if you don't have clean water, it doesn't matter how much currency you have. And, you know, what, what I can see is that the problem is, is the money is supposed to be a tool to facilitate movement of goods and, and resources, you know, that it's supposed to be a tool and it has become what you're supposed to desire and the be all end all and as much of it as you can, except that totally loses what the hell it's supposed to do in our world. And, you know, the way we live, it, we, uh, it just brings us really back to what's the value of the thing. It doesn't matter whether it's a dollar. It doesn't matter whether it's a cryptocurrency. It doesn't matter whether it is a bag of freaking mushrooms. I can do more with a bag of mushrooms though. And I like it most when we get the whole dollar out of the bartering thing. I mean, those are the best, funnest, most enjoyable exchanges we have, period. You know, so it just really, it brings it back down to what is the value of things? And especially the way the world's going, money is like valueless if you actually think about it. You know? Money isn't real. Money is make-believe. Money is make-believe. Money is make-believe. And you got to understand that money is, it's just, it's a tape measure. It's a make-believe tape measure. And they keep reinventing the rules. Yeah. And we're not subject to those rules. Those rules are always exclusively for the people that have way more money than us to worry about. Yeah. It's all make-believe. The government will create or take away as much of it as they want to. So whether it's to our benefit or our detriment, we kind of don't worry about accumulating piles of it because it could all be meaningless the next day anyway. We just want to build, focus our efforts on building some sort of a sustainable lifestyle that whether it's COVID or a, another war that we get into or whatever the next pile of bullshit is that they lay on us, that our family and the people around us can sort of react and cope and deal with that. And how many zeros we have in our bank account don't make a damn bit of difference if you can't get into the grocery store to buy toilet paper. It's kind of all become silly at that point, you know? Well, that's why it seems like it's better that you guys have this bartering system and everything. The people that are living in Boston that rely on, hey, this is $10 and I got to pay it in cash. As opposed to, oh, I can't trade you this for that instead of $10. They yeah. If all, all the shit goes down, you guys are in a way better shape. You have this, you have a separate community of people that can work together. We have we right. And that and when you when you think about that community, it's like we have people who have the ability to have get piglets, you know, 
when you're like, I'll raise a pig. Well, last year at the beginning of COVID, we had a really hard time finding piglets, Um, you know, butchers, um, you know, you, you name it, even just a tractor, like, you know, thankfully we don't, sorry, Brian, we don't have a tractor. (laughs) I deserve a tractor. I want to go on record right now, publicly. I want to, I want to speak to the whole world right now. And explain that I've been at this 10 years tractorless. <laughs> I deserve a tractor. Even a piece of shit. I'll take a, a, a $5,000, 70-year-old diesel piece of shit. I deserve a tractor. <laughs> Mark will back me up. It's on the list. It's on the list. That's all I can say. But we have a good friend. Who I have friends with tractors. I deserve a tractor. I put in my hours. I agree. Let's get you a tractor. <laughs> Everybody agrees. Everybody that. agrees except for her. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to get my tractor and I'm driving it Someday. everywhere. Awesome. I hope to get up there and sit shotgun with you. <laughs> if you guys ever want to come up this oh, summer absolutely. and check, you know, when, when travel's good, you guys want to come up Always and fun. check out what we're doing. We have a we live a very open, open existence here. Let us know if you ever want to do a, a, a travel cast. As the time gets closer, we, we may take you up on that offer. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look and see what's up there for, for, for lodging and whatnot. And let's get together and take a look at the farm and take a look at the mushroom growing. I yeah. love to see that. Absolutely. Now, how many people live in your town, roughly? Nine hundred sixty-two, I think. Nine hundred sixty-two. You know all of them, and we know. No, they know. They all know who we are. Though. They know us. <laughs> <coughs> no, um, but I have to say, from the day we moved here, I I can say from the day we moved here, I knew more people here than I did living for ten years in downtown Dover. That's true. I didn't know my next door neighbors in Dover no. at all. Never met them. I met, I met, I met them when a tree fell over and broke our, our communal fence. That was the one time I met my neighbors. <laughs> Moving from, from New Hampshire into Vermont, did, did you get any flack from the locals or anything like that? Was, did you, was it tough to try and fit in or were they very welcoming? Oh my God, they were, they were amazing. Yeah. We got more flack from the people in New Hampshire that <laughs> telling us we were, I'll tell you, telling us we were going to, you know, places with just uneducated people. We have found there are some of the freaking smartest, most skilled people in Vermont. It's unbelievable. Um, and, and you name it, like in our town, there's, um, a person who runs Mountain Song Expeditions, they do, they are like an Appalachian outdoor trainer um, and does mounted archery. And they know how to, a wilderness survival. Their neighbor um, does the computer models for wildfires for the government. <laughs> <laughs> he does all the computer modeling for all the wildfires in the country. Oh, like predicting them. 
you know, like some pretty genius people. Hmm? Like, like predicting them, like, like patterns of, of yeah, yeah. It creates codes for the yeah. models that predict where the wildfires are going to go, and he's like, he's the dude. He's, he's cool. No yeah. Another so friend just, that, and there's another friend here that's grown a, a huge uh, maple sugar operation up the road from us. He's grown it from. A few hundred taps to, I think, over 5,000 taps over the past few years. And, and he, he hand-built, like, logged his trees, did the logging, hand-built his with stuff. horses out of the woods. And it's the most gorgeous place you've ever seen. But it's actually, amazing. We know yeah. multiple people with farms and CSAs. And there's so many hard-working people that go unrecognized outside of their own communities when you kind of dig down into rural rural areas it's 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 nice it's nice we feel like we discovered something and almost want to keep it secret you know (laughs) well it's not going to stay secret for too long because we're putting Well, well, because there's no property for sale here right now. <laughs> What's property like up there? How are the taxes and all that? <laughs> so, you know, this, that's a really good question. That's a good, that was a big transition. I have been told over and over and over. And when you look at the statistics online, in theory, Vermont has like the second highest tax rate when you look at overall tax burden of the country. But from a person like living in the middle of it, I can't, I don't feel like that. I feel like when no. we, we paid over $10,000 in property taxes for a quarter acre in Dover, mm-hmm. not to mention how much we paid for trash bags and, and, and all the other services. Okay. There wasn't income that. tax. I get that. And there wasn't sales tax, but I don't know. Online tells me that this is the highest tax place to live. But at the same time, like the services we get, you know, all kids under 18 are covered under health insurance. Like, period. 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 You don't even if have to the, worry. If they're about under 18, they're covered they have health insurance, period. From the state. Um, you know, and they have things like the, the farm viability program. They do a lot of grant programs School for lunches. farms. Um, so... I get. I guess from our perspective, you know, I I don't mind paying taxes. You know, that's the theory of we're all in this together. We're going to pool our money and take care of everything. You know, I don't have a problem with that concept. I don't feel overtaxed. I don't feel overtaxed. Vermont has a lot of consumption taxes, but you can gauge how much you consume. You know what I mean? You can regulate how much you pay in consumption taxes based on what you're buying. And we try to really lower the amount of everything that we have to buy by producing and bartering. So at least we have some level of control over that. And property taxes are just plain cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. We pay maybe $3,000 a year for two acres. Yeah. Wow. That was my question. Yeah. All the other stuff, you're going to get those taxes no matter what, no matter where you go. Yeah, exactly. So we feel that the 
I, the moral is we feel happy about where the state, where what the state is giving us and where they're spending the funds. Doesn't Vermont seems to have a very fair. And it's not perfect. Know, sort, it's not, not perfect. It's not perfect you know, by any and means. There's budget deficits and um, all that fighting stuff. about pensions now. There's all yeah. kinds of shit going Same on. Same shit everywhere. <clears throat> but they take care of kids well. They take care of kids well and they they just take care of kids yeah. well. Yeah. They do, yeah, they do pretty well. So I guess overall, like, I don't know. The internet says that we pay highest tax rates in the country. I don't, I, feel, I like don't feel like it. And I feel like there is a lot of stuff that the state invests in um, that seems to make a difference to people. So, you know. And again, we totally understand we're dealing with a population of 700,000 people, not, you know, <laughs> not a million people, 2 million, 10 million people. So yeah. it's a different environment. No, I know Salem, our town has 33,000. You'd think it was 33 million with all the shopping and just crazy. Yeah. On the border. So everyone's coming up from Massachusetts to the tax-free shopping. So it turns into that, you live in Salem. Yeah, I'm in yeah. Salem. Yeah, both of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, on on that note, you know, I, I think this was awesome. I do need to cut it out now because yeah. my kids at home and my wife she's probably pulling oh. right now. Um, Sorry, wrap them up about this time too. I really enjoyed meeting yeah, you guys. Thank you. So one, one more time before we close out, where can we find you guys? You know, on Facebook. What's the website? Instagram and website is peacefulharvestmushrooms.com. Awesome. And we'll link all that in the show notes. And uh, Mark, thanks for bringing your beautiful self here. That was awesome. <laughs> I didn't bring much to the party, but it was good to hear it all over again. We'll see you this summer, man. Yeah? You, you will. Oh, yeah. We'll be up. You got the place rented. Oh, yeah. That's, that's done. That's that was done? done when we left last year. Nice. All right. Wait to see you this summer, dude. I love you. All right. We'll see you guys later. Eric, nice to meet you. Bye, Matt. Awesome. Hey, nice meeting you, man. Nice meeting you guys. It was good talking. Bye. Bye. Talk to you soon.